welcome. Um, we are almost done. We have three weeks left in this study that we've been going through since the beginning of the fall. So for those of you that are new, we are talking, we've been going through uh, this book on undisciplined, studying the art of self-control. And so you would never know it, by the way, we all ate all those donuts this morning. <laughs> We've spent six weeks on self-control, but <laughs> we all cut them in half, I think. <laughs> so it seemed like we were. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so we have kind of gone through just what it means to be a person of discipline, to be a person who um, is purposeful about stuff. And today we're going to talk about being purposeful about relationships. Uh, we talked about how... Um, just really a lot of this came out of seasons of my life where I just felt like the Lord was just con prompting me of, of how undisciplined I was in a lot of areas of um, my life. And um, as I began kind of studying, realizing that one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if I am living a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm living a life that is dedicated to Christ, I should see more discipline. I should see more um, being able to control myself in a lot of different areas. And so we talked kind of first about that broad picture. Then we talked about having an undisciplined mind. We talked about how easy it is to just let our thoughts go wherever our thoughts want to go instead of reining them in. Actually, our Bible verse a couple days ago that I went over with my kids in the morning was, I take every thought under control and I make it obedient to Christ. I take every thought captive. And I was talking to Dottie about that before she left school. Like, what does that mean? It means we don't just let whatever thought pops in our head stay there. We we take them captive and we make them obey Christ. We don't think about things that that are going to take us down a negative road. We don't think about things that are the worst case scenario. We don't think about things that are going to bring us sorrow. We do Philippians 4.8. We think of whatever is good and lovely and pleasing and of good report. Those are the things that we think about. So we talked about that. Then we talked about having an undisciplined tongue, which I'm sure I am the only one who's ever done that, but how easy it is to just let our words fly, whether we're saying them, whether we're typing them, whether we're posting them, how easy it is to just let whatever comes into our, our mouths just come out instead of um, stopping and thinking and being purposeful about what we choose to say. When we talked about having an undisciplined checkbook, we talked about money. We talked about um, not just letting letting our money slip through our fingers, about just not thinking about how things are, are, are moving, but being really purposeful about, God how, God, how do you want me to spend my money? We did this with the kids. I was telling Liz because I pulled Silas up to help me last week. We did, we're teaching this same study to our kids on Thursday nights, and um, I demonstrated to them, I had Silas hold, I gave him 10 Starbursts, and he had to hold them for me. And I was like, well, they're mine. They're all mine, but you get to hold them for me, and then you get to do whatever I tell you to do with them. And we were talking about how everything we own comes from God. It's really his. It's not ours. He just lets us hold it, and then we have to do whatever he says. And so we, we talked to the kids about um, about tithing, about giving. So he gave one back to me, one of the 10, and that was a way of saying, thank you for letting me hold your starburst. <laughs> it was super fun. And then we talked about being wasteful. So I had Silas, he opened a bunch, I said, open five of them and just lick them. <laughs> so he opened five of them, just licked them and sat them there. And then I was like, wow, what a waste. Now nobody else can use them. And, and then we talked about irresponsibility. He threw them over his shoulder and then couldn't find them. And then the last thing we did, we were talking about generosity. And I said, okay, now I want you to give everyone else in the class one of the starbursts. And he said, well, I, I don't have any left. 
because he wasted them. He was irresponsible with them. Then he didn't have anything left to be generous. And it was, it was so fun. It actually helped me really mentally think about how we're supposed to behave with the money that God gives us. We're supposed to take good care of it so that we can do whatever he asks us to do with it. And in that moment, we have been wise with it. We talked about the parable of the talents, about being wise with what we have. So we talked about that. Then the next week we talked about undisciplined gifts. We talked about what are those things that God has given you, whether they're spiritual gifts, whether they're natural talents, those things that God has given to you, because he has a plan for you to use them in in your life for his glory. And I think for a lot of us, especially in different seasons of our life, we can kind of get into like, well, I'm a mom right now, so that's all I'm doing. And we can we can stop uh, working on those talents. And so we encourage each other to just, what is that thing? You've been blogging. I'm so proud of you ever since then. And she writes the best blogs. So you were talking about that you were thinking about writing again, and you've been doing it. I've been so proud of you. I noticed, and it's awesome, about, hey, what is that thing that God made you passionate about, that thing that you are good at. What is that? And take a couple steps towards it. Be disciplined in using those gifts, finding places to use it, developing it. Maybe that means taking a class. What are those things that make you feel like you? Whatever that is, take one step towards being disciplined and using that. And then we talked about, last week we talked about time. We talked about being disciplined with our time, that how easy it is that our days kind of slip through our fingers mindlessly and instead think, how, God, how do you want me to spend my days? That our days are ordained by him. Every single one of them, are, yeah, the Bible says, are written in a book. So you have a book, and you have a book, and we all have a book, and God has a plan for every day. And it sometimes seems like, well, today my, my day involves, you know, wiping little people's bottoms and making dinner, and that can't honestly be written in God's book. Well, no, it is. There's something in every day that he has planned for you. He knows everything. And so we have to say, God, how, what do you want me to do with this day? How can I be diligent with my time? So that's just kind of a recap of what we have talked about. And today we're going to talk about something just a little bit different. But again, as I was kind of going through this topic in my own heart and in my own life, one of the areas that God really put his finger on and challenged me was being disciplined in my relationships. Being disciplined in the relationships I have with other people. And I think all of us, you know, we, we have so many different relationships in our lives. And when we're, if we're talking about being disciplined and self-control, about being purposeful, I was really, God was really challenging me on how purposeful I was when it came to the people in my world and it came to my relationships. And I think it can be true of a lot of us. Some of us might be like, I am super disciplined when it comes to this area, but this area is kind of a hot mess, you know? <laughs> like, oh, I'm really disciplined when it comes to my time, but when it comes to um, my tongue, I don't know. Um, we all have these different areas. And I think when it comes to our relationships, this is one of those places that we have to just open our eyes a little bit because I think there's a lot of us who are really disciplined in a lot of areas, but our relationships are messy, like just really messy. And it might not be all relationships. You might have, you know, one really good, healthy, strong relationship, and then you might have a handful of relationships that are just, they're just messy. You just, it always seems like there's just this conflict. It seems like there's problems. Um, for me, there's, there's moments where I just feel like, oh, I'm not engaging in relationships. How do I handle this? And again, we've been talking all the way through about being purposeful, about not just letting stuff happen to us. Part of discipline is getting a bird's eye view, looking and saying, okay, when I look at these things in my life, how can I invest in them now 
being purposeful and mindful in order to make good decisions when it comes to those things. And so this was one of those areas that we're going to talk about today about the relationships in your life. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. Look at your relationship with your family. Look at relationships with your coworkers and your neighbors. When you look at all those things from a bird's eye view, how healthy are they and how much um, more health would come to them if you made some purposeful decisions about the way that you were going to interact in those relationships. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's just open in prayer, and then we will dive into it. Lord, thank you so much that we can gather together. Father, what a, what a beautiful day you've given us. Oh, thank you for the nice weather. It just makes everyone get up better, makes it easier to get out the door. And so we're just so grateful, Lord, that you've just given us this just beautiful gift this last couple weeks of of some gorgeous weather to enjoy. And thank you for this group of women that we can come together and just spend some time just talking and learning and sharing what's going on in our lives, Lord. It is a precious gift from you to have friendships. And so thank you for this time to come together. Lord, as we talk about relationships today, Father, I know um, that this is an area of our lives that you want just so much health And uh, we know that this is an area that we can sometimes struggle. It's an area that the enemy likes to come in and cause division and problems. And and Lord, we always want to look at ourselves. What can I do to uh, be a part of a solution when it comes to these, these different issues? And so I just pray today that you would just point something out to us that we could begin to work on to have more discipline when it comes to our relationships so that we would have healthy, loving relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this one becomes a little more challenging because, you know, when we talk about disciplining your thoughts, well, that's just all up to you, right? (laughs) That's nobody else is in your head. Nobody can make you think anything, you know, nobody can make you think anything you don't want to think. But when it comes to relationships, we're talking about you plus one, you plus two, you plus three. It involves someone else. And so The problem, which I have tried over and over and over again, and it never seems to work with me, is that we cannot control other people. We cannot make other people respond to us the way they want. We want them to respond to us. We can't make our relationships work. Um, Sometimes people respond to us in ways that we think, I'm trying to have a healthy relationship with you, and you just continually keep bringing unhealth. Anybody have any of those? You don't have to raise your hand. We don't need to do that. I will raise my hand, and we'll just make it symbolic. That it, Sometimes that happens to all of us. And even our best intentions, sometimes we still have messy relationships because we are just dealing with people who, people are sometimes messy. And I want to preface all of that today by saying, you know what? That's okay. It's okay. People are messy. Relationships are messy. I think sometimes we like to think that everybody's, we, we look at other people and think, oh, their, their world is all together. Their relationships are great. Their relationship with their parents is perfect. Oh, look at their relationships with their kids is perfect. You know, we've, I've always had people, I don't know if it's because my husband and I have visible jobs. People have always come up to us and said, I just imagine what it's like at your house that Jeff just sits there with the guitar and you guys just sit around and sing all the time and your kids are sitting with you and and I'm always like that's exactly what it's right like like all the time we just are so we just sing and nobody ever fights and it's just so lovely but I think we all look at other people's relationships and go theirs is so perfect and mine is such a mess let's just be honest it's all messy 
It's all messy. And even if it's healthy for a while, it pretty much dives into mess every now and again. And that is the case. And that's okay because there's nothing more important than relationships. One of our, our mentors, our pastor, who's over all of the AG churches, he, when we first started in ministry, he said, it, people are messy. And that's okay. We're in it for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. We might go through a season where it's really messy, and that's okay because, you know what, it's going to get better, and we're going to just walk through mess with people. And so that's okay. That's okay to know that. And going into this today, I want you to know that's okay. Nobody has it perfect. But within the context of all of that, I think you and I can help raise the standard of what is healthy. I think you and I can be purposeful about how am I going to respond in this or what are some of the things in me. I can only change me. I can only bring myself into this relationship. So what can I change in me that's going to help bring this messy relationship into a healthier place? And that's what I want to talk about today. Because our relationships are important. They are important. And the word of God addresses them all the time. It talks about parents, how we should treat our children. Children how you should treat your parents, spouse, how you should treat your, <laughs> your other spouse, um, people within a context of a church body, how you should respond to one another. Jesus doesn't just give us big, broad stroke instructions. He comes and says, hey, if you have a conflict, here's what you do. Hey, hey, children, here's how you're supposed to respond to your parents. Hey, parents, don't push your kids' buttons so much that they start to get resentful. I mean, there is a lot of instruction in there because God knows our lives are built on relationships. Our lives are built on those things, and God wants to, us to have healthy relationships. Our, the Bible doesn't just talk about our vertical relationship with him. He talks about our horizontal relationships with each other. And so we want to be disciplined when it comes to our relationships. But the truth is many of us are very undisciplined in our relationships. And as I was kind of going through this in the word of God, God began to challenge me about the areas that I was very undisciplined when it came to my friends, the areas that I was undisciplined when it came to my marriage, the areas that I was undisciplined when it came to my kids. So funny this morning, I was talking to Jeff, we were, you all weren't here yet. We got all set up, and we were sitting there talking, and I said, yeah, I was talking about um, conflict and how, you know, sometimes with some people in our world, we, like, lash out and just let it all out, and other people, we just avoid it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And I said, I realize, like, I hate conflict, and I avoid it at all costs when it comes to anybody else, but with you, man, I just let it out. And he's like, I have noticed. <laughs> that was his response. So... There's that. But um, for a lot of us, we, we might be undisciplined in the fact that we just don't invest in our relationships. We, we invest in a lot of other things. We spend time doing a lot of other things. But when it comes to our people, we just kind of go through the day and we're not really thinking about how can I purposefully invest in the people in my world. Uh, maybe we don't have appropriate boundaries when it comes to our friendship, families, and other relationships. It just, it just feels like it's all wide open, and it just feels like, oh, this is really messy all the time. And part of the reason it's messy is because you just haven't put any really good boundaries in place. I remember sitting at a uh, pastor's wives conference a few years ago, and I was just in a really hard place. I was just struggling. I had come out of a season of conflict and a lot of stuff, and I remember the speaker pointing and saying some of you are so miserable because you have given someone access to a very deep place of your heart that they had no business having access to 
And it just took me back because I thought, oh, man, people who were critical of me or people who had opinions about me, I had let them into that deep, deep, deep place. And and I was feeling that so deep. And that was a boundary issue for me. That was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not they're not my people. Why did I give them that place way in there? Hold on a second. And it was just good. And some of you need to be more disciplined in what you're allowing to speak into the depths of your heart. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, some of us, they're just, our relationships are full of conflict. They're full of manipulation. They're full of um, unhealthy resolution for things. It just constantly feels like it's just a lot of mind games and manipulation and these undercurrents of just unhealthy ways of dealing with things. Um, sometimes we just allow other people's opinions of us to become our opinions of ourselves. And God is saying, hold on, I want you to have healthy relationships and that's going to start by you knowing exactly where you are and where other people are and by you holding that ground really strong. That's a self-control thing. That is a discipline thing. By not just going with whatever anybody else says. And you can tell this is my issue. (laughs) So we're going to dive way into that. So we're going to talk about a few ways that we can be uh, disciplined in the relationships God has given us. So the first one is a nice easy one. Invest in your relationships, right? Now this seems like a no-brainer, right? Invest in the people you love. Invest in the people that you care about. And yet, how hard is it to do that? How hard is that to... um, to really stop and say, who are the people that are really important to me? And am I spending time with them? The first way to look at that is like your girlfriends. I think some of us can get into a season of life and think, when was the last time I actually just like went and spent some time with the girls that I love, the girls that kind of pour life in me? A couple weeks ago, I was just feeling just so like, you know, like you get that like, "Ah, everything just feels off, right? It just felt like, uh, I just felt like I was in the quagmire of dealing with stuff with my kids. And I was just like, And I remember thinking, you know what? I have not talked to my girlfriends in weeks. I haven't talked to anybody. And I literally picked up the phone. And you all know my phone issues. I literally picked up the phone and I called a friend. And I was like, hi. She's like, what's wrong? You're calling. And I just said, I just haven't, I just haven't talked to you. And after about 30 minutes, I felt like, ah, I'm human. Like I felt, and I nothing deep. It wasn't anything like that. But there was something that happened when I invested time into the people that just know me and get me and love me and I know they're on my team and I know they're on my side and just we can start to feel alone and I think in this day and age of social media we have these like weird pseudo connections that we feel like oh I connected with someone because I liked their picture or I saw I saw what they were eating for lunch today so I feel connected to them and yet it's all from the outside is not actual connection it disguises as connection and so we end up going like hold on hold on, I'm not having actual, real, meaningful connection. And so sometimes we can just not invest in the relationships that are important to us because the, the things that seem most urgent get the most attention. And so we're just investing in that, and we're just, like, trying to get through the day, and we're just trying to put out fires, and we're not actually making time to invest. Um, sometimes it can be I look at my marriage and think, sometimes I'll go, when was the last time I invested, like, invested? in my marriage. Now, I love him. He's around. But sometimes I look at him as like the guy that takes out the trash, (laughs) the guy that will relieve me from these annoying children for an hour. Sometimes it's really easy when you get into the nuts and bolts of life and you're just trying to get through the day and you're getting through in the day. And the last and a lot of times I can think, 
oh, he's okay. Like the kids, the kids are not, this is not, this is not, I got to work on this. I got to work on this. I got to work on this. You're fine. I'll get to you later. And all of a sudden you can wake up and go like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It has been a very long time since I actually invested something. Um, and, and I've been challenged by this. I think it was around this time last year. I woke up one morning, and I was so convicted with that very mindset. And I, I opened up Proverbs 31, and I started reading. Um, and I was reading, his wife brings, brings him good all the days of her life, all the days of his life. And I thought, what am I bringing good to his life? Like, I'm kind of holding the fort down, but am I, like, adding anything good? Am I? And so I remember <laughs> he came down, he woke up, and I was like, how can I serve you today? How can I bring good to your life? And he's kind of like, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> like, did I do something wrong? He was very suspicious. But I remember thinking, and I remember I decided for the month of December, I was going to try to do one thing every day of, like, investment in him. And I was going to not tell him. Now, you all know me very well. That lasted about 36 seconds before I was like, I'm going to do something nice for you every day. <laughs> Because I just can't hold it all in. But I remember just thinking, get into the practice of investing. This is the guy. And let me tell you, my kids are getting a little older. It's just going to be me and him. You're shaking your head. When your kids get a little older, you start going like, whoa, they're all going to be gone here pretty quick. I better still like you. We are going to be together without all this distraction pretty quick. And, and we laugh like, we better, we better spend some time working on this. We better spend some time investing on that. And so... It can be dangerous because we just are going through our lives and we're not taking the time to invest in, in our marriage. Um, maybe it's your kids. Maybe they just kind of, and it's happened to me over and over again, they get to a certain age and I kind of think, well, okay, th they have a little more independence, so I can kind of leave them be. And all of a sudden I'll just get this like, whoa, hold on, re-engage. Hold on. This is the struggle. Hold on. And, uh, you know, I think if you have multiple children, if you have different age kids, they just go through different things and you have to just stay reengaged. And so investing in them is so important. Sometimes we just miss the signals that maybe they're struggling with something because we're just busy getting through everything and we're missing those moments of like, okay, hold on. What's going on with you? Are you okay? And there have been certain seasons where God has just in prayer or just spoke to my heart like this kid needs some investment just you're, this is what you're doing right now this is what you're investing in um, maybe it's friendships whatever that relationship is that's important to you ask yourself the question when was the last time I invested something in it now that doesn't have to be anything huge it doesn't have to mean like girls trip to Cabo although I think we should all do that right now <laughs> we should all just book a flight <laughs> but it can be just as easy as a text how are you? What's going on? Um, I don't, I, my friends, my close friends, I don't do needy friendship. I can't do that. I don't, just don't have enough hours in the day. I can't be like, you haven't talked to me forever, and so I don't, you know, we're not friends anymore. No, I need the people that are just like, yes, I haven't talked to you forever. Call me, whatever, and I don't have to, like, give the, like, I'm so sorry. I, those are my people. Not that that's bad, just for my life. That's how it has to work. It has to be just, like, instant, that I know you got me, and that's good. But I, because that's the way, sometimes I can miss out on, let's in, make sure you're connecting. Make sure you're staying connected to those people. Make sure that you are investing. So think about that. What is a relationship in your life that needs a little investment?
somebody that you need to send a quick text to or a quick phone call or a card in the mail or or um, maybe it is you need to just have a night where you just go spend some time with your husband. Get a babysitter and you go and you go out and you do something. It's been a while. When is the last time you invested in those relationships? So make a plan. Be disciplined about it. I think a lot of times I have the idea, and again, this is, this is what we've all been studying. It's great to have the idea. The discipline means you do it. You actually do it. You make the investment. You don't just think, oh, I should do that. That would be nice. But you start and you think, I'm going to put a plan in place. I literally, when I last December when I was going to do something nice for Jeff every day, I printed out a calendar, and I wrote something on it every day just for that thing of, okay, this is, I feel like this is something I need to do. I have to make a plan to do this or it's never going to happen. So be disciplined. Look at that. Start making phone calls now of the holidays and the people that you want to spend time with. Don't just be like, ah, eh, it might happen. Be purposeful. Be disciplined to do that. Do maintenance. Send a card. Say hi. Pick up a gift if you see something. Do maintenance in those relationships. And be an encourager. Um, make sure that you are being the kind of friend that you would want to have. Make sure that you're looking out and you're praying for your friends and you're reaching out to them and you're help walk through life with them. So that is the first thing. Invest in the relationships and be disciplined about it. Be purposeful about it. So the second way that we are going to be disciplined in our relationships is to be disciplined in how you handle conflict. Ah, we're going to talk about conflict for a minute. Um, I think for a lot of us, this is where our relationships go off the rails a little bit. This is where they get messy. This is where they start to just kind of feel like they're out of control. And um, I, I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about Jeff, but I think there are two main ways that we tend to handle conflict. The first is we tend to avoid conflict at all costs. How many of you are conflict avoiders? I know. Oh, I think almost everybody raised their hand. Yes. I think a lot of times we just avoid conflict at all costs. And so whatever relationship is in your life, the tendency of what can begin to happen there is if there starts to have conflict in it, you start to back out of the room with your hands up. And you start to just kind of remove yourself from that relationship. And I tend to do this, except for Jeff. <laughs> I just like to let him have it. But everybody, I t when I start to feel tension in a relationship, I just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to just back out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut down. I just read a quote and I wish I had written it down of where I heard it. But essentially it was saying some of us think that n avoiding conflict is being kind and really, it's just all fear. It's just all fear. We're not, we're like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to be nice. It's actually just, I'm terrified to just dive in and address this with you because I'm afraid. And, and a lot of times it's valid reasons. I think the older I get, the more I think, you know, I've had conflict derail friendships. I've had it like fall apart and never recover. I've had people that I was very close to that I'm not close to anymore. And now, so it feels a lot more terrifying than when I was younger, like, oh, I'll just say whatever I think, and I'm sure you'll still love me. That's not always the case. And I think sometimes the, long, the more experiences we have, I think the older I get, the more afraid of conflict I am because we see the damage that it can really do. And yet, I really believe that in my life, avoiding conflict at all costs has done more damage to relationships that probably could have brought 
been repaired if I had taken the time to just sit down. But my fear has kept me from doing that. I get afraid of what will happen. And then I imagine in my mind what the conversation might happen and what they might be thinking of me. And it, it's, it's a combination of that mind and tongue because I think, I'm going to say that, then they're going to say that, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to get horrible, and it's going to be awful, and I'm never going to, and I'm going to feel horrible, and I'm going to feel horrible, and I'm going to, they're never going to want to see me again, and that means I'm a horrible person. This is what happens when I'm thinking about conflict. And so I avoid it at all costs. But inside what happens when you avoid conflict is something just begins to stir. It's not like the conflict is resolving. It's not like you're fixing it. You're just letting it bubble inside of you, and you're never getting to work it out amongst yourselves. And after a while, it just starts to feel overwhelming. And so some of you, you just kind of just back away and just, whether it's a friendship, you just think, I'm just... Maybe I'm just done with this friendship, and you just walk away. If it's someone in your family, you just dread every interaction. You just you just hate the idea of being together. You pull a part of your heart back. You just say, "I just don't. I just don't know if I'm going to uh, if I can handle that." A couple years ago, I quote Brene Brown a lot because she's really helped me in a lot of my issues. But she said when she is talking to someone and she has a conflict. She has learned to say, I choose discomfort right now instead of resentment later. Okay, so I want you to think about that for a minute. Because in the moment when you are needing to have a conversation with someone that you know is not going to be fun, in that moment you're feeling like, like, get out of here, get out of here. (laughs) At all costs, get out, get out, get out. And so you think, okay, I don't want to feel this way, so I'll just like, okay, fine, okay, it's fine. Or agree to whatever, or just brush it over. And then you go home and you start stewing and you start stewing and you start stewing. And she said she got to the point where she, in those moments, says, I choose the discomfort of this moment instead of resentment later. Because in that moment, you think, if I just make this go away right now, then I'm going to feel all better. I'm not going to, you know, it's just all going to go away. Well, that's a lie. It's going to be worse. You're looking at days and weeks and months of not sleeping and lying in bed thinking, oh, I bet this is happening. And then rehashing the story over and over and over with everyone who will listen. And you're just trying to avoid this conversation. And you think of how many hours are in that part of resentment as opposed to maybe one minute, two minutes of discomfort in the moment of just saying what you need to say. And that doesn't mean there isn't a follow-up conversation. But just avoiding conflict at all costs is not healthy. So a lot of us just avoid conflict. I think Billy Graham's wife said, if two people always agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. I love that from that nice, sweet lady. And some of you in your marriage, you just are to the point now where like, I just don't even want to dive into it with you. Just, you know what, I'm just going to back off. And I will be very honest, the curs and conflict, we have always struggled in our marriage with conflict. Always, 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 from the day we started dating. Because I don't know, for whatever reason, we're both fairly stubborn people, and neither one of us are going to give in for the life of us. And 20 years into our marriage, we are still, like, relearning. Okay, hold on, let's try another, <laughs> we read another book. Let's try this one. Let's see if we can work through this. And we, but we keep coming back at it. And if all that's happening is you're just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not, I don't want to get into this. I'm just backing out. I'm not going to say anything. We're not going to, we're going to avoid conflict at all costs. You are damaging your marriage. You are, you are stripping away intimacy. And you have to get to the point where 
you have to be able to talk about stuff. It's just really, really, really important. So sometimes we avoid conflict at all costs. On the other side is what I call in the book the let it rip approach. <laughs> so if you get mad, you say it. If you think it, you say it. The words come out quick and harsh without thinking to what the consequences will be. Now this, I am learning, I've always had a problem doing this with my spouse, but you know what? As my kids get older, this is becoming harder with teenagers who have quick little tongues <laughs> like to say things, right? I am learning like, whoa, 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 I am going to have to be very disciplined in what I allow to come out of my mouth when it comes to my children. And I think anybody, we all know your family is the one that gets the brunt of all of this, but I think sometimes we don't think about the consequences of the words we say. When we taught the undisciplined tongue lesson for our kids a few weeks ago, I had a tube of toothpaste, and I squeezed the entire tube out onto a, onto a paper plate, and the kids thought that that was really great. And then I had a kid come up, and I said, now, why don't you put that toothpaste back in the tube? And they were trying. Their hands were all messy. They were trying to s shove it back in there. And I said, the truth is, you can't. Once it's out, it's out. And that's the way it is with our words. Once they're out, they're out. Now, you can apologize. You can try and make amends. But you cannot unsay something. And I am learning that there are times that I have to have so much self-control when it comes to conflict because I really want to say something. I really want to let it out. I really want to share exactly how, what I think of the situation. I want to share how they're making me feel in that moment. And instead I have to stop and go, hold on. This relationship is going to suffer if I am not disciplined with what I let come out of my mouth right now. And I'm not telling you that I am perfect in this. I am very flawed when it comes to this. And yet realizing when it comes to relationships, how we handle conflict will determine a lot of whether the, our relationships are healthy. So it's, it's not healthy to hold it all inside, but it's also not healthy to let it all come out just in the moment, however you want to say it. So here is the thing to be disciplined. Discipline yourself to be courteous in conflict. Discipline yourself to be courteous in conflict. Now, that doesn't mean, courteous does not mean silent. I think for a lot of us, we think, well, the only way then to have good conflict is if I just, I'm just going to be quiet. Well, that's not solving anything. But have discussions in an appropriate way. Have discussions in a way that are healthy. Express what you're feeling in a way that doesn't involve always and never and name-calling and... Um, bad words, <laughs> and all kinds of other things that want to come out in those moments when you're really upset. In the heat of the moment, you might want to take, you might say something that you can never take back. So listen and be respectful and think about how you are handling conflict. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Discipline yourself to address issues instead of simply avoiding them. And then when you do it, do it kindly. So you're going to laugh. This is uh, very f funny. But Jeff and I have had just kind of a little bit of a breakthrough in the last um, month when it comes to conflict. So we started watching Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I am not lying. This is for real. So I got addicted to this show. And if for those of you that haven't watched it, the, it's a, a high school football coach and his wife. Now she's the principal and she's sassy, you know. And I always like sassy girls because, you know, you watch these shows and I'm like, yeah, see, I'm sassy just looking like those girls on TV. 
and she's opinionated and wants to do things, and he's opinionated, and they're both stubborn. And so we're binge-watching this on Netflix, and we're both watching it, and we're watching it. And, and I was watching it one day when he was gone. I know, committing the cardinal marriage faux pas of watching while he was gone. And I remember they, this couple kept having conflicts, and they would, like, come into the room. They would talk about what was bothering them, and they would both just like, well, that's just the way it is. I just don't like that. Okay, okay, all right, I'll see you for dinner. And then she'd, she'd walk out, and then he'd go off. And I was like, huh, well, that was just, they had a little conflict, and then it was done. And then it would happen again. They would have a little conflict. She'd go into his office and say, I know you didn't want me to do this, but this is what I decided. Okay, well, I disagree with you. Okay, all right, I love you, honey. Y'all, y'all come home for dinner. And then she would walk out again. And I literally started talking with a southern accent for about a week after I started watching this. So anyway, so I, was, I, was, I had noticed myself, like, the way that they handled conflict. And no joke, about a few days later, Jeff and I, we were talking about something. He said, hey, can I bring something up? Because we're learning to bring stuff up when it's not in the heat of the moment, not an actual like, hey, I'm really ticked off at you now. But he goes, hey, so I was watching Friday Night Lights and I was noticing the way this couple was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. And he said, I would like us to have more interactions like that. Because at the Kerr house, here is how conflict goes down. He starts annoying me. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm sure I annoy him at times as well. But let's just for our purposes say he's being annoying. So uh, he starts annoying me. I start thinking, I'm going to be the higher person. I'm just going to stuff this all in. Yes, he's leaving the milk out on the counter every single time. Every, he's just, nobody's picking up anything. I'm just going to, but I'm just going to just keep it all inside because I am just giving like that. Well, so I stuff it all in. Eventually, about three days later, I explode. And he goes, I knew that you have been steaming about something for about three days. I knew something was building up. I kept asking you, what's wrong? And you're like, nothing, it's fine. And you exploded at me. And I'm like, well, because you always do this. And he's like, well, you da, da, da. And we start going at it. And we all um, automatically start one-upping each other on the, like, you know. And he's really good at fighting. <laughs> he can totally. He's very quick and he's sarcastic. And so I'm just like toe-to-toe, -to -toe, like, well, then forget it. I'm going to go right in your face right back. And pretty soon it escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates. And then we get mad and then one of us leaves. And then we have what we like to call like the three-day Cold War. It's about, and maybe I'm, we're the only ones that do this. But then it's about three days after that that it just is not quite working right. <laughs> like, and everybody knows it. Like, every time, and, you know, we'll even maybe try and have another conversation, and it's just derailed because we're both steaming all the time. So every time we come to each other, it's like, it all just comes up again. And so it takes about three or four days. And so literally it got to the point where every time there was, like, the slightest thing, I would kind of start going like, oh, this is going to derail our whole week. Like, I just know after 19 years of marriage, this is our pattern. This is our cycle. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be a horrible week, you know, no matter what happens. Even if I try, it's just this is what's happening. So he said, I was thinking, I, I just noticed how even when they had a disagreement, they just disagreed and then they moved on. And I said, I noticed that too. Okay, well, that, that was interesting. And that was as far as the conversation left. So then, a couple days later, I exploded about something, and I noticed he was just like, I'm sorry, you feel that way. And I was like, oh, he's coach-tailoring me right now. He is totally coach-tailoring me right now. Like, he's just like, all right, I hear you. And every time, I just kept, like, 
I just kept pushing, and he was just like, all right, I hear you. And I'm like, and I'm, you know, I keep pushing because I'm looking for a certain reaction from him. And he's like, hey, I totally get what you're saying. I get it. We disagree. That's fine. Let's move on. So what's for dinner? What are we going to do? And I, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this was nice. And then it just kind of like moved on. And then we just moved on. And so probably since we started watching this show, probably maybe four or five times we've had conflict. And I think both of us just kind of key into like, okay, it's okay to disagree. It doesn't have to turn into World War III. This was revolutionary to us. Now, ask me again in six months if it's still working. But all I'm saying is we're trying. We're trying to learn to communicate better. So whatever it might be, keep having those conversations. Keep looking for ways. Maybe you want to read a book. Maybe you want to do something. Maybe you want to talk about, hey, we keep getting derailed by this thing. Can we figure out a new way to do it? Learn to find different ways to handle conflict properly and then be disciplined in those moments to do it. Because what happens is in those moments, I think I could be, I could be Coach Taylor's wife right now. I could be Tammy Taylor right now, but I have to choose in that moment to go, I don't need to escalate this. But everything in me is going, no, just keep poking. Just keep going. It's fine. You just get one more little shot in there. And then I keep thinking, no, because then that's gonna, that's three days. I'm gonna lose three days. So in those moments, then have the discipline to say, I'm gonna be courteous in conflict. I'm gonna handle that. I'm not gonna say things I don't wanna say. I'm gonna try and keep things calm. It might be something different for you. And maybe that has to do with your kids. Maybe that it has to be like, okay, going into this. I like to go into a room and say what I think in our house. And I am learning this might not be the most helpful thing in the moment. So figure out healthy ways to address conflict. Recognize no matter how uncomfortable it makes you, work on those relationships. It's worth it. It's worth it. You might be dreading the holidays because you're going, oh, man, this means I'm going to be in a room with this person and this person and this person, and we have so much conflict and so much pain. Decide now. Get your marching orders. Spend time in prayer now, Lord. How do you want me to handle that? What do you, there have been times that it has been a word from the Lord, like one word. I remember having conflict with a girlfriend many, many, many years ago, and I remember thinking, oh, I just don't even know how I'm going to talk to this person. And I remember thinking, Waking up one morning and feeling the Holy Spirit say, I want you to call her, and I want you to just listen. Do not defend yourself. And that was really what I felt like God gave me the words to say. And I picked up the phone, and I called, and I was very nervous because you know how I feel about conflict. And she was very upset. She kept saying things, kept saying things. And if I hadn't had that word from God in my head of just listen, don't defend yourself, I would have just dug right into it, but I just kept saying, I'm sorry you feel that way. I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry you feel that way. I hear what you're saying. That's what I just kept saying. And I hung up the phone, and I felt awful after that phone call because I thought, well, I didn't get a chance to defend myself. But I knew that's what the direction God had given me. And not six, seven days later, I got a long letter in the mail from this particular friend. And it was a very, very lengthy apology. And it was Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me get this off my chest. And after we talked, I began to realize this was my part in all of this. And if I had dove in, I think it would have just added fuel. It would have just added fuel. And yet the Holy Spirit was so gracious to give me a word going into that. Of Here's what you're going to do. Just go into it and say this. So ask God when you're thinking about that conflict, that, that relationship, that person that you're going to have to talk to. Lord, give me just a word. To, what do I do? How do you want me to handle this? Do you want me to say something? Do you want me to not say something? Do you want me to say 
three words or five? You know, how do you want me to handle this? And ask God to give you and then have the discipline to walk that out and stick out with what he gives you to do. All right, so conflict, that is a very, very important thing. Um, The next thing I want to talk to you about is having good boundaries. Now, um, we did boundaries for kids last year. Some of you were in that study, and it was such a good study, but I remember the first time I read the book Boundaries, it was like earth-shattering for me. How many of you have really good, like, natural boundaries? You just kind of have a really good sense of, like, this is where I begin and where other people end. Okay, you're all like me. It just all feels really messy. And I think that's a part of a lot of women. Um, but boundaries, um, in their book, Dr. Henry Clown and John Townsend, teach you how to keep relationships healthy. And boundaries are marking lines where I begin and you end. And for a lot of us, we are absorbed by our relationships. We don't have any sense of this is me, this is you. And so it feels so messy. And so I'm not going to dive really big into it today, but I would encourage you, if you're having a lot of conflict in relationships and you're feeling like, there's, you just get sucked into just so much of other people's world, I would really encourage you to pick up that book. One of the things he says in it is, we are responsible to others, but we're responsible for ourselves. And I think a lot of us, burden bearers, we tend to pick up everybody else's stuff and carry it like our own. And instead of being responsible to others, we feel like we're responsible for others. And so our relationships with them get messier because um, we are just super ingrained in other people's lives. I am a recovering people pleaser probably will be till the day I die. I think it comes with having compassionate gifts. I always want to help, and so I tend to get over-involved. And I'm going to tell you a little little bit about a journey that I went through probably when I was writing this study, but I went through a season where it really almost killed me. I I was struggling so much with other people's opinions of me, and it was just eating me up from the inside out. And went through a season where I just felt like I couldn't do anything right. I just felt like everything, like if I said pink, everybody would say, yeah, it's not pink. (laughs) You know, it was just, felt like everybody in my world, like I just could not make the people in my world that I really wanted to be happy, I could not make them happy. And I was facing a lot of criticism. I was facing a lot of having my motives questioned. I would do something and think, oh, I'm doing this with the best of intentions. And um, I would face criticism of, you were just doing it for that. I mean, I just could not, for the life of me, do anything right. Have you ever gone through a season like that where you're just like, what is happening right now? What? Why is everything I do feel like I just can't do anything right? And I remember um, a Sunday getting ready to go up and sing on stage for church, and I thought, I can't. I, I'm not going to go. I can't even do it. I felt like I had, like, this big target on me. Um, the Sunday before, I think somebody had walked out, like, I'm not going to be up there if there's a woman worship leader. I mean, it was just like crazy thing. People I didn't even know. It was just coming out of everywhere. Like I could not do anything right. Or you said this word or whatever. And it was people I didn't even know. And then it was people I did know. It was just like like <laughs> the arrows were coming faster than I could do it, uh, than I could shoo them away. And I remember Jeff was going through a similar season of conflict, of, of criticism and things like that. And he was fine. He was just going through life all hunky-dory, and I was like, couldn't sleep. I mean, weeks, I couldn't sleep. I was going through a bottle of Tums a day. I was so anxious inside. I was just like, and I remember saying to Jeff, like, how are you not just 
like under all of this pressure, how are you not falling apart? And he's like, eh, eh we're there. What are they saying? That's all stupid. <laughs> I remember him being like, I know myself better. I know my motives. I know my intentions. Like it just like ricocheted off him. And for me though, it was killing me. And so I, rem- I remember just praying, going like, Lord, what is this? Why is this killing me? So I had gone to a Joyce Meyer conference that's got a free ticket, and I went by myself and I walked to the very top row. Of, of the Excel Center, and I'm sitting there all by myself, and I'm just having this, like, pity party with the Lord, like, how long are you going to let me be this target? Like, how long are you going to let everything I do be misinterpreted? How long are you going to just let, you know, I just can't do anything right, and everybody hates me, and it's just killing me, and why are you letting this happen? And as clearly as I've ever heard God speak anything to my heart, I heard him say, it's going to keep happening until you learn to fear me more than you fear other people. You are falling apart inside because you care more what other people think about you than what I think about you. Their version, their idea of whether or not you're doing good, whether you're okay, whether you're acceptable, you are consumed with making everybody else happy when I have told you very clearly in my word that you are to please me and to obey me, and to serve me? And when was the last time you asked me, Lord, are you pleased with me? Am I following you? I had gotten so consumed with everybody else because, you know, once it starts going that way, you can get in the spin cycle of, like, if I do better, if I do more, if I'm really, if I do extra hard, if I work even more hours, I'm sure I can fix it all. I'm sure I can make you all like me. And I remember even saying, like, I'm likable. Why is, why is nobody like me? And I remember very clearly that day coming home, opening my Bible, and I started looking for every single verse on the fear of man. Every, I bought every book I could find, and I began months and months of reading and studying of what it means to fear men more than you fear people, or f- more than you fear God. And the truth is when we fear what other people think of us, Every decision becomes about how they are going to view us, how they are going to see us. And now, looking back, I'm so gracious that God took the time to let me get so miserable to teach me that lesson of, like, listen, if you are pleasing me, that is all that matters. Now, of course, we want to live at peace with everyone as much as is able. That's what the word says. But we cannot let our identity be wrapped up on whether or not other people are okay with you. We can't let our identity be wrapped up whether or not other people like your choices. And so I just began learning that God wants us to fear him, not to fear other people. Having an overdeveloped fear of men is an undisciplined way to live your life. And learning, okay, Lord, I want to please you alone. I want to please you above all other things. Um, there's lots of verses. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust in the Lord, it means safety. John 12, 43 says, They loved human praise more than the praise of God. Galatians 1:10, If I were still trying to please men, I would not be Christ's servant. And Isaiah 51, 12 says, I, even I, am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? I was literally dying inside because I was so consumed with what other people thought of me. And God began to say, okay, we're going to change this. You cannot, you cannot continue to just live and die by what other people think about you. And so I began to learn that I had to replace the fear of, the man, of man with a fear of the Lord. 
I had to learn to say, okay, Lord, what are you asking of me? What do you want of me? And out of that, God, if you're pleased with me, then that's all I need. I found this great book by Ed Welch, and if you are struggling with this, I would highly recommend it. Um, It's called... um, now I can't remember. <laughs> but he says, God must be bigger to you than people are. When God is big, wait, when people are big, God is small. That's the name of the book. Ed Welch, Edward Welch, when people are big, God is small. Um, and for a lot of us, we let our fear of other people, W-E-L-C-H, Welch, yes. We have to learn to replace that fear to make other people happy with us, with the the fear of God. What are you asking of me? There's a verse in uh, a, cha- a portion of scripture in Jeremiah 17 that talks about this, and this kind of became a lifeline for me. So let me read it to you. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. You see the imagery there? Stunted shrubs. So like when I planted hydrangeas in my horrible Farmington soil that was all clay and disgusting, and I was like, why are they not growing? Well, they were in this horrible, they were in this horrible environment. And for a lot of us, we are like stunted shrubs. It says there's no hope. We live in barren wilderness because we are trying to draw up strength from other people. We're trying to gain our confidence through what other people think of us, and we are just wilting away. But the contrast in those verses is so beautiful, but blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord, and they have made him their hope and confidence. They're like a tree planted along the side of a river that is constantly pulling up sustenance and strength and water from that river. It says they're not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they go on producing fruit. So I think for a lot of us, we have to go, okay, am I trying to draw up strength from the wrong source? If you find, like, man, I just, my relationships just feel so messed up. Okay, are you putting too much in them? Are you counting on them to fill you with confidence? Are you looking to them to fill you up instead of looking to Christ? This is really, really important. And for me, it has really changed the whole way I view relationships because my relationships were a mess because I was putting so much pressure on them because I needed them to like me in order for me to be okay. And so if there was conflict, then it was just like a whole big thing where when I have a healthy view of who I am, of who I am in Christ and what my boundaries are and whether or not other people like me, when I am healthy in that place, all of a sudden my relationships change because I'm not trying to suck life from my husband, suck life from my friends, suck life from people who are whether affirming me or not. It changes everything. Proverbs 19.23 says, Fear of the Lord gives life, security, and protection from harm. So you have to discipline yourself to fear God more than you fear men. You have to do it. You have to discipline yourself not to give in to the side of you that cannot bear to have someone unhappy with you. 
that falls apart if that's happening. You have to discipline yourself to only follow God's plan for your life, not what other people think you should do and not what other people think you should be. You have to discipline yourself to make God bigger in your life than other people. When you get that, then your relationships become healthy. They become healthier. So we're going to close. I just want to pray for you today. And I just want to pray specifically for all the relationships in your life. I don't know what ones are kind of breaking your heart right now. I have a couple that are hard, really hard. And I don't even really know how to address some of them and how to help mend some of them and how to help people that I love through what they're going through. And yet I know that I just need my marching orders from Jesus. It's like, do this, don't do that. And then, as we've talked about through this whole study, it's not enough to just get them, but then I need the Holy Spirit in me to give me the discipline that in the moment to do what he's told me to do, not to just react out of frustration, not to just act out of what I think is the right thing, not to be overly consumed with, oh, I hope this, I can't say that, that person might be mad at me, and that person might not like me, and my identity is based on what they think of me, but to have that healthy perspective. And so I just want to pray for you and whatever relationship that you are asking God to give you health in and, and that he will give you a word. So let's just pray for that. Jesus, I just thank you that you care. You care so much about us being healthy as people, about our relationships being healthy. And Lord, I just lift up every woman here today, Lord. I just pray for whatever relationship is causing just brokenness in her, a relationship that feels broken, a relationship that feels tenuous, it feels stressful, where every interaction feels um, just fraught with conflict or uh, unsure of what to say or how to handle things. Lord, I thank you that you know all and you see all. Lord, that you know every heart. You know our hearts that want to serve you, and you also know the heart of the other person. And so you can give us insight beyond our own understanding. You can give us wisdom beyond what our own eyes can see and what our own minds could figure out. And Lord, I just pray that you would give each of us wisdom to know how to be disciplined in these relationships. Lord, I pray for those who have um, need wisdom of dealing with their parents. Lord, maybe there's just some brokenness in their relationship with their parents. And today, Jesus, we need you to come and give us a word to know what to say, what to do. Maybe that relationship just needs investment. Maybe that relationship needs a better boundary. Or maybe that relationship, Father, just needs to be filled with your Holy Spirit to just come and bring healing where there has been so much brokenness. We know you are able to do that, and we ask Lord, I pray for those dealing with their children, Lord, and that relationship feels strained and broken. Oh, Father, you know their hearts. You know what they need, and we need you to give us wisdom, to know the right things to say. And Lord, not only to know the right thing to say, but Lord, the discipline and the self-control to choose the right words in the moment, to choose the right actions, to not give in to frustration, to not give in to fear, to not respond out of um, our own need, Lord, but to, Father, just have the mind of Christ. I pray, Lord God, that um, the Holy Spirit would produce self-control in each one of us when it comes to dealing with our children, that you give us the right words to say. 
Lord, I pray for marriages in this place, Lord, for those who maybe their marriage is really in a healthy place, but there's one area that seems to just be constantly a struggle. Like I shared with conflict with us, God, we need your wisdom. Give us fresh ideas. Give us new ways. Bring things into our path that'll give us insight. Maybe there is a marriage here today that just feels so broken. It feels so beyond repair. I thank you that nothing is too hard for you. And you always are willing, when we come to you with hands open, you are always willing to show us ways in which we can bring you into the process and ways that we can work on ourselves. And Father, I just pray that you would help every wife in this place, Lord to have self-control when it comes to dealing with her husband. Maybe that means in conflict, finding a better way to deal with conflict. Maybe that just means investment. Lord, maybe you are just stirring the hearts of someone here that she just needs to invest something into her spouse, Lord. Just like she did when they were dating and they were younger and she took the time to speak words or to do kind things, Lord. Sometimes we get lost in the the craziness of our lives, and we miss out on that relationship. So give us creative ways that we can invest into our marriages. Lord, whatever relationship is weighing on the hearts of us today, thank you that you know exactly what to do. And so we attune our ears to your voice. We are listening for your instructions. And Father, we will discipline ourselves to do whatever it is you tell us to do. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.